Well, hello again. If you are following along, last week we discussed Black Tie, White Noise, and the album The Buddha of Suburbia kind of snuck up on us, which is pretty meta, considering the damn thing is kind of a lost album, and I think it snuck up on a lot of David Bowie fans. So we did a little short discussion about it. We decided to cut it into a second episode because Christ Almighty, that black tie, not white noise talk was already almost three hours. And uh, I think all of us have heard just about all we wanted to hear from Eric by that point. So we're going to talk about Buddha of Suburbia. And then next week we'll be back here to talk about Scary Monsters. David Bowie released an entire other album in 1993 called The Buddha of Suburbia. And many of us maybe never heard of it. I always heard the name. I always assumed it was just a soundtrack or an EP. Uh, And by soundtrack, I mean like a score uh, to something I would never watch. And I was half right. It turned out that it was a score to a BBC produced miniseries that he did little sound bits for. And then he took those sound bits and he made an entire record out of it. But that record was only released in the UK until the mid-aughts when it got a proper release here in the States. Um, The way he got involved with the record, the soundtrack, was he met the the author of the book that the uh, miniseries is based off of. And Eric, can you help me with this gentleman's name? Do you have it in front of you? So this is Hanif Karishi. Yes, Hanif Karishi, who wrote the book, and this guy had dinner with David Bowie, he was doing kind of a loose interview with him, and he claims he jokingly said, hey, you should do the soundtrack. And David Bowie said, hell yeah! And uh, there you go. And so they wrote the, the music for the entire show. They didn't use all of it. And then David Bowie just was feeling inspired. So he went back to uh, that, that studio in Switzerland. What was it? Uh, Montreux, yeah, the, the Montreux, Switzerland. And he recorded an entire album based off bits and pieces of the soundtrack. He would start with, uh, it only took them a couple of weeks to write it and record it. And the way they did it was they would start with a, a, just a, a small a beat or a rhythm. And uh, what the, he, would, he would take, I'm sorry, he would take the actual song, the fully fleshed out song they use in the show, strip it down to just the beat or a rhythm and then build a song up from that, which to me sounds kind of like some of the experimental stuff he was doing in his uh, Brian Eno days as well. Um, that's the Reader's Digest version of what's going on here. Do you have anything else to add, Eric? What was the name of the gentleman he was doing this music with? Oh, yeah, that was Erdal Zerzizje, Zer- the, uh, the producer of Never Let Me Down. And usually I think when he's doing his his Alps albums, that's, that's his guy there. Okay. Yeah. Um... 
And I just think that the, what the book's about, I think, is important because Bowie really connected to it. It's about a like a uh, inner uh, a family of uh, the, the dad's Indian and the mom is a white white British lady. They live in suburbs, and the dad kind of becomes a spiritual leader there, and the son just kind of deals with being a you know a mixed race kid uh, in a predominantly white suburbs and just kind of writing that that kind of weird. Uh, happening of his dad kind of becoming this, the spiritual leader in town. And, and, uh, Bowie really connected to, you know, growing up in the suburbs, the writer of the book came from the same suburb Bromley that Bowie came from, um, a few years behind Bowie. Uh, they, uh, and you know, the whole, the whole story storyline in there about the, the person kind of becoming a leader and then the movement kind of getting away from him is totally Bowie's like art community story from the first album. So, uh, I, uh, I, I think that's interesting. It kind of shows why he connected to this project. Mm-hmm. Um, I know in the, in the album artwork, he talks about what his influences were in the liner notes. And he said this, uh, influences were on, uh, Eno's ambient works, Philip Glass, uh, R&B, funk, um, drugs, <laughs> So that's what he claims were uh, craft work, prostitutes, uh, yeah, he, he, travels he said, to Russia. He basically he said, you know, uh, essentially he said it was he was playing with the stockpile of residue from the 1970s, and uh, right. yeah, yeah, T Rex, Pet Sounds, even Pink Floyd. It was all he was all picking up on that, and I could kind of see a lot of influences forming this uh, album. Uh, it's a little bit more. It actually, uh, it's really weird that it was recorded only seven months after Black Tie White Noise because it's a whole different world away, if you ask me. For the moment. yeah, it's also picking up on a modern trend in music, but one with much more staying power, and that would be, in my opinion, I think it would be Brit, Brit pop, yeah, no, and maybe some shoegazy stuff. Yeah, there's some of that in there. They kind of go back to some of the. Uh, I know I brought up. I'm bringing it up a lot tonight. The Berlin trilogy. There's a pair of instrumental. There's a pair of instrumental tracks on this one that are way more in line with uh, some of that stuff that you're, you're going to see there. Um, anyhow, I, I didn't watch the miniseries. It's really hard to find. Uh, I know Mark didn't watch it. Eric, did you happen to find it? No, you have to buy. You have to buy it on disc from you know used uh, somewhere. So no. So that that's a quick catch up on what led to this album. Uh, it was just released without. I mean, I, I don't know what they were thinking. Uh, the record label, they put it out around the same time as a new collection of singles was coming out, and it, nobody knew about it. Uh, it, it. It peaked at number 87 in the UK, which for Bowie, I mean, that's pretty bad. Um, right. And, and, like, I only heard of it. I never listened to it until this project. Mark, did you ever listen to it until this project? Um, it was always one of the ones I was trying to track down as I was trying to complete my collection. I had heard of it, um, but it was always been out of print and deleted. Uh, I think in 2007 when it was reissued, um, that's when I was able to special order it and buy it. I bought it as soon as it uh, was available. I listened to it maybe twice, and then it just went to the collection. Um, yeah. And then I obviously revisited it for, for this episode. But no, I hadn't been aware of any of the background. Um, I knew that it was a soundtrack. 
where Bowie really wanted to elevate it to a full album status. And, um, you know, it just is categorized and I guess in his discography and his canon, it's just relegated as a soundtrack, even though only one song is actually in the, uh, in the mini series. Yeah. It's, it's very bizarre how that had happened because I think if it was marketed a little bit better or even, uh, categorized better in his own catalog, maybe more people will discover it. So we are running late here, but let's just get into it quickly and go through these songs here. Um, starting with the title track, Buddha of Suburbia. try to do uh, just a one-liner on each of these tracks just so that in the interest of time uh, since we already did a thorough discussion of one album um, so I'll begin I think that the Buddha of Suburbia title track is not bad um, if you have a good ear for David Bowie's catalog uh, music you hear that little riff from Space Oddity and this also had a music video in the only song that was featured in the miniseries um, I actually do enjoy this track I think it's a uh, it's it's not bad. It kind of reminds me of some of the old David Bowie um, with some of the new modern David Bowie that's to come. I agree with everything you just said. I think it's a really, I think it's a fun song. I think and this won't be the first time I say this tonight. I think you could use it as the closing. It is it is the title track, but I think it would play well over credits to a movie ending. Um, I, I really like that they bring back that Ziggy Stardust-esque uh, guitar riff. When they did that, I, I I smiled. And in the video for it, David Bowie actually air guitars it, which is pretty fun. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think it's a good song. It's It definitely sounds like a folksy Ziggy Stardust homage written in the early 90s. Uh, yep, it's good. Yep, This so my thing on this song is this song is is reflective. It has that that riff. It has lyrics pulled straight out of his song, All the Bad Men. Um, day after day after day. Zane, 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 Ovale, les chaines, or however you say that. Uh, I don't, uh, which means open the dog in French. That's straight from the song, All the Mad Men. Um, it's, I mean, he's, he's, it's autobiographical. I mean, which is rare for him to go to take the layers off and, and expose himself that way. Um, each each lyric is about kind of growing up in the suburbs and wanting to break free. I love the lyrics in the chorus. I'll wait until we're sane, wait until we're blessed and all the same, full of blood, loving life, um, Englishman gone insane. It's like uh, the great equalizer is art and uh, the kind of uh, the insecurities he's feeling will maybe kind of go away when they just all act like kind of nuts. So uh, I think it's a cool song. I think it sounds very tame. I think he'll go more interesting places on the rest of this album. Um, but it's a nice little little track. Yes, it is. Check it out. So, track two, Sex and the Church. 
So I find this song to be a little repetitive, but it could have been interesting as a shorter song. Um, harkens back to some of the work that was done on Black Tie, White Noise, but uh, yeah, it, it's neither here nor there for me. Just too repetitive. Yeah, the uh, the organ riff on it reminds me of another song by another artist, and I cannot place it. I'll play a clip of that right now. Dear listeners, if you can tell me what the hell that reminds you of, please tell me. Because the organ riff in this thing reminds me of a very well-known song by some artist driving me crazy. Uh, song doesn't do much for me. It's an experimental track. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's just kind of there. I do like the effect that they use on the vocals. The high-pitched sex and the church. There you go. Yeah, it's almost like a robot effect on his voice, at least at the beginning, where it's, uh, it, I, if I had to sum this song up in one sentence, it would be a computer from the future tries to analyze and understand the relationship between spirituality, religion, and sex. And that's what this song is. Um, We're all trying and, to... And uh, I would say it's electronic music, and I think it's almost done more interestingly than it was done on Black Tie White Noise. So... There you go. That's South Horizon, track three. Um, I found it to be, uh, so it's an, another instrumental. It's a jazzy number, has jazz piano from Mike Garson uh, with a little bit of uh, Red Shoe Diaries type trumpet. Um, it's fine. I, it's forgettable, you know, if you're not really uh, investing yourself. But that's, that's all I got on that one. Yeah, I'd say it is Mike Garson. It's a bit more subdued for Garson. You know, sometimes he goes uh, crazy cat in the keyboard, not in this track as much. Um, again, this is more of the Black Star template, which I didn't realize was definitely a template that Bowie had in his back pocket. He's used in other times in his career besides the Black Star. So that's pretty fun to discover from this experiment. Or, um, yes, what the hell am I trying to talk about? Anyhow, it's late. I'll edit that. And uh, the stand up bass goes for a walk. Eric? Same uh, instrumental track. Um, I. He creates better moods later on in the album. All right. So then we've got track four, which is The Mysteries. heard was an ambient instrumental uh, for me it has a piano that was reminiscent of the piano work on Twin Peaks um, it's very familiar to the ambient work that you find on the Berlin trilogy like Steve was saying Steve oh yeah Eno yep that's a, more of that Eno instrumental stuff I really enjoyed this track quite a bit 
Um, this is the kind of stuff we haven't been able to talk much about yet on this phase of the podcast. And we will get more chances to talk about this style of music as the podcast goes on. Eric? Yep, I think this song should be in the new Dune movie. I really like the atmosphere they create in this, uh, in this song. There you go. All right, uh, track five, Bleed Like a Craze Dad. So that drum sound for me was uh, similar to the late 70s Bowie. Uh, Ertl Kizilke is playing all over the song on multiple instruments. Mike Garson again on piano. Um, it has a groove that really goes nowhere um, and just really has a little too much repetition for my taste. A groove that really goes nowhere. Perfect. Because I said this song reminds me of Tin Machine, which is what they do. Yep. Eric? Yeah, uh, yeah agreed. I like the title a lot. Um, I <laughs> I like the bass effect. The guitar's a little cheesemo on this. Um, and he's doing his baby talk voice a little bit at the beginning, uh, which is not my favorite Bowie voice. Um, uh, the song is, seems to be a lot about uh, just kind of becoming a messiah for a cause, uh, not unlike the Signet Committee. Um, so it's, it's, it's lower on my, on my favorites on this album. So the next song is Strangers When We Meet. And I know we're taking 30 seconds. We can actually take a minute each for this next So that was Strangers When We Meet. Um, it was uh, later re-recorded for the album Outside in 1995. Um, it has a good vocal performance, but for me, the flat production kind of kills it. Um, I'm not really going to go into the lyrics because as we go into Outside, we'll definitely, for me, give this out, uh, song a uh, little, more, little more area to discuss. I actually really, 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 really enjoy this track. It's probably one of my favorites that we've talked about tonight. I actually enjoy this version more than the version on Outside. Um, I think it's just a, it's a great, like, just upbeat, point you in a direction and drive in that direction track. Um, it kind of leans into blip, blip pop territory a bit. I could kind of, I could see a pulp or a primal scream doing a version like a song like this. Um, I love the chorus overdubs. And again, back to the Booty of Suburbia title track, I think you could play this song over the end role of, a, of credits in a movie. Um, I actually, yeah, I, I don't know. This song really resonates with me, and I look forward to talking to about it more when we discuss outside. 
because I think on the podcast, I'm the one with the least familiarity with outside. I've owned it. I might've listened to it all the way through three times. And, um, yeah, I, I, I was reminded this tracks on there and I, I, I like both versions of the song. I actually prefer this one. Uh, anyhow, Eric. Yeah. I don't know if I prefer this one, but I, um, really like this one. It's, um, it's got a good drive. I got the Brit pop feels. I got a little bit, this shimmering guitar all over this song. And yes, the production is not very good. Um, I think you can do that and have it still be muddled, but in a good way. Like, and I'm thinking of like shoegazy music, like my bloody Valentine and stuff like that, which you can have that shimmering guitar and it can still be muddy and still be totally fine. Um, because that you can still build for build an atmosphere with that um this does not but i do love the drive and uh i'll talk about the lyrics when we talk about outside but it's got some of my favorite lyrics on either album that we talked about tonight i think it should have been a bigger hit when it was on outside um it's a great song yeah no i agree i there there is a, a a good song in there i just don't know where it fits quite on this soundtrack so track seven, Dead Against It. Let's listen to a clip of that one. So Dead Against It, this was considered uh, for uh, re-recording for either Outside as well, um, or Earthling, but whatever reason, David Bowie decided against it. Um, For me, I think... He was dead against it. What's that? I said he was dead against it. He was dead against it. it. That's it. Um, With, uh, I think with a little bit better production, there could be a great song here. Um, The tinny instrumentation makes the song sound a little shallow. with just not a lot of room for their instruments to do their thing. Um, but actually, I, uh, all things considered, I do like this song. I'm a big fan of this track. Again, I think it does the, the blur, pulp, primal scream, even Elastica could do this song. Um, some good rising action with those keyboards. The keyboards kind of rise and rise, but they never quite climax, so that kind of bugs me. But I do like this song. Eric? Yeah, right there with you. I got Britpop the most from this song. I think that's when the first time I listened to this album all the way through, this song was the one where I started kicking that word around and I thought about it more as I went back and listened to it. It's my favorite song on the album. It's still very shimmery, but a a little bit more going on than the last track. Love that keyboard. I can see your Elastica reference there for sure. Um, So cool song. There's some great lyrics about just kind of a suburban marriage and the kind of... uh, banal rituals that are going on until there's distance that uh, a wedge that's driven between the couple um you know as she's uh in her gin her fizzy gin uh it's a it's a it's a it's a great song yes it is all right untitled number one next track
So when I first heard this song, uh, well, not first heard, when I went back and listened to this for preparation, um, that drum beat really reminds me of the drum beat for uh, Ogre's song um, off of Welt. Uh, I want to say Water. Ah, um, uh, yeah. This uh, it has some interesting elements in this song, but uh, it's just kind of there for me. Besides your comparison to Ogre, friend of the show, I don't like the song at all. It sounds like a B-side off Black Tie, White Noise. Yeah. And you did speak well of the percussion, but part of the percussion to me sounds like clamshells. I hate it. Yeah. Um, yep. The best yeah, part of the song is it, it, Untitled Number One reminded me of Black Number One by Type of Negative. Go listen to that instead. <laughs> uh, yeah, agreed. Uh, he's almost onto something with the music, like almost the acid jazz from Black Tie, White Noise, but a little bit more mature. Um but he's not engaged at all in his singing. And I did have to look up. He keeps singing about uh, Shimmy Kapoor. Uh, I looked it up and it's like one of the most famous Bollywood actors of all time. So he keeps like, he keeps singing that name, like probably 10 times in the song. So anyways, there you go. Yeah. Um, Track nine, Ian fish. So that was uh, Ian Fish, UK Air. It's an instrumental uh, with some contemplative guitar strum over a static sound. Um, I actually like some ambient instrumentals, but this wasn't as engaging um, as I would hope for, but it's not bad. Uh, It's just kind of there again. Yeah, uh, I got nothing more to add. It's... Uh, an ambient track with some acoustic acoustic plucking i I don't mind it but uh i probably will never listen to it again right unless it happens to come on shuffle or something like that yep yeah eric it's literally what i wrote in my notes ambient (laughs) with some plucking guitars so no i'm 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 good cool and then so let's finish it out so that here no listen mark save your breath and so the closing track buddha suburbia it's the same song, but they added Lenny Kravitz to it. Yeah, um, I can't tell. They should, yeah, you can't really tell, but what they should have done is add Slash to it. Because whenever you use Lenny Kravitz, you might as well use Slash and get the real thing. <laughs> um, anyhow, so that's Booty of Suburbia. Overall, let's, let's, uh, let, let's give it our boltings. Uh, Eric, what would you say? Um, I would give this a... I would give it a uh, 2.5 out of 5. I uh, really like some possibilities that production is holding it back big time. For me, uh, I'm going to give it a straight 2. Uh, two, five, 2 out of 5. Um, I did prefer Black Tie White Noise a little bit more because... Uh, uh, I don't know. They're, they're, the high highs on Black Tie White Noise hit for me, even though it's not a great album by any means and it's it's an okay album this one is also okay just a slightly less than 
uh, black tie. I'll give this one a two as well to what I gave black tie white noise. I think I like some of the songs in here better. It's a little bit more slight. It's almost an EP. Um, but I do think it was necessary for him to start trending in a more Bowie-like direction. It's 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 it, it's really it fascinates me. This came out the same year because I feel like he got that new Jack Swing stuff out of his system for the most part, and then really just like sat down and said, "What do I actually want to do?" And I think this album helped him head towards outside. Um, yeah, I'm glad that we did this podcast so I could discover it. I don't know if I ever would have listened to it if we didn't do the podcast. Yeah, right. If I remember anything, I'd seen the video before my son had shown me that video before, but uh, well, if anything, for that title track, I like that title track a lot. I like uh, Dead Against It a lot. I don't think I yeah. would have ever listened to both of those. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, all that being said, so that's Buddha of Suburbia. I did discover a terrible, terrible, terrible band called Buddha of Suburbia, the band. Listeners, don't look it up. I stumbled upon it by accident. Basically, they all look like uh, if somebody crushed. Uh, Peter Gabriel into Phil Collins and the human beings. <laughs> and they, they recorded bad coffee shop cover versions of David Bowie songs. And they tried to sing just like David Bowie. Uh, they, they call themselves Buddha of suburbia, the band do not listen to them. And so that out of the way, I needed to jump on that grenade for you guys. There's one last thing, a little tidbit that uh, was a B side from black tie, white noise. that should have been on the album called Lucy Can't Dance. So there you go. Lucy Can't Dance. Eric, I feel like you know the most about this song. Yeah. Well, this was a diss track on, uh, about Madonna. Um, he, uh, you know, he, she had kind of filled in the gap while he was away, so to speak, as far as being a, a boundary-pushing uh, pop sensation. Um, Who had some really good early albums. Right, 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 right. Um, so he, he kind of goes, you know, basically in his lyrics, like, loosely, I know, I know what you're going to do because he's already done it. Um, now you're looking for God in exciting new ways, talking about her like dabbles in various, uh, you know, uh, alternative religions. Um, who died and made you material girl is, <laughs> is one of the lines in there. Um, he, you know, I, he had been, he had said in various interviews or whatever, like later, like that just... If she, it was kind of like the, his attitude towards her was like, well, if you're going to be provocative, first of all, I've seen it before. Second of all, your music has to be edgy also. And I think that's that, that's kind of like his perspective was that that's what was missing. That being said, he's the guy that just put out Never Let Me Down. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and also I, this probably comes from a place where on Never Let Me Down, one of the videos, uh, he was pissed off that, or he was at least amused by the fact that one of the videos had some editing some censorship to it. And he's, and if you guys remember at the same time, he's like, Madonna's doing much worse stuff. So, right. That's right. What a, a, a what a Bowieism. What, what a Bowieism? How, yeah. how would you say that? <laughs> yeah. 
it's it's uh, it's a fun little little snarky number that totally would fit on Black Tie White Noise, and I could replace. Think of a couple songs I'd be happy to replace it. I didn't really respond well to this song. I thought it was too repetitive. Um, the schoolyard chant of Lucy can't dance. Um, I just picture Bill Nye's character, uh, Billy Mack. This is probably one of his big <laughs> songs that he did before he needed to make a Christmas album. Well, that guy's a fucking friend of the show, so I don't know what your problem is. <laughs> All I'm saying is that wasn't my cup of tea. Like, I, I feel that Bowie's better than this. Um, yeah, I would. I want nothing more to do than to get all the families together and watch the, the that goddamn movie together. Love actually, yeah, it's yes. a good one. It's a good song. It's a good uh, a good movie. And Bill Nye's character is actually pretty entertaining, but <laughs> it just seems like what are we what are we doing, David Bowie? You're trying to. <laughs> you don't punch upward at this point in your career. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but Madonna is definitely yeah. capturing the public attention more so than what David. Oh yeah. Well, no, think, think about it. All the stuff he was going for in black tie, white noise was a poor man's version of Vogue. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, you know, right down to the marble statues. Yep. But, um, yeah, no, I, I do like the song, but everything Mark says is true. Uh, I do think it would be better. I'd, I'd rather listen to it than some of the tracks. I mean, come on, get get never let me down and down off there, and just put that there. And, yeah, know, I'd be fine with that. Better. That's much. It's an improvement right there. You bet. All right. Well, I have to say, look at us being efficient. We got that whole other album that we honestly didn't know we had to talk about out of the way. So there you go. <laughs> so Eric, let's roll the dice and see where we're going next. Let's roll the diamond dice. All righty. What could it oh, possibly God. be? Let's, let's see here. Something in the early teens. <laughs> 14. <laughs> 14 is Scary Monsters. Ah! Yes! Yes! Oh, it's almost too early. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have so much to say. Um, oh, that's exciting. Amazing. Well, now it doesn't see... Well, here's the problem. God damn it. I almost wanted to tell you, re-roll it. I, we can't do it yet. We're not ready. No, I, I, this is the greatest, this might be the greatest album of all time. Spoiling what I'm going to say. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, like, this is, uh, this is definitely something I've been looking forward to. Oh, no, we have to listen to Scary Monsters every day, multiple times for the next few weeks. Poor us. Oh, this is fantastic. This is yeah. great. I oh. can't tell you, there's every song in there is a hit you know there's no like what do we we don't have to pretend that we're not going to love this record this is great yeah i'm excited about this one so um thanks again for listening um this has been mark branstead eric anderson steven chambers and we uh you can come and find us on our facebook twitter instagram pages and even potentially throw a, a a nickel into our guitar case on patreon um, we'll have links to those in the show notes. One of these days, I'm going to have to replace this microphone here. Absolutely. And maybe get uh, some better um, bandwidth and sound for you folks out there. Or Actually, you know, that's what, that's what, actually, you know what? No, let's, let's talk about that for a second. But the microphones are fine. You see, we cannot do the show in person as much as we used to like to because life gets in the way. We need to buy part of the internet. 
Need to buy part of the internet, gentlemen. It's true. We need to get in on the ground floor. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, if you want to uh, contribute and be a, uh, a contributor, like friends like these, viewers like you, whatever, um, please do so. We, we always appreciate it. Or, in hell, maybe if we get enough money, we can start making some merchandise. And if you are yeah. a contributor, my God, you got yourself a free shirt. That's right. Yeah, you know what? Maybe if things go in the right direction and then we make a lot of money off that stuff, you're an investor. Absolutely. Um, but I, I really got to say, I got to say, I am not a religious man. This world is too dark to believe in any kind of higher power. But I do have to say that this album that we listened to tonight, it was not painful, but it was homework, as Mark would say. And also, it was making you eat your vegetables, as Eric would say, which is what he says sometimes I do to people when I want them to listen to an album. But... <laughs> The fact that we powered through this, and this is the one that definitely did the wedding and the wedding closing song, which we kept saying about Scary Monsters, was similar. Somehow, maybe, maybe that just blew a little breath in the diamond dice to get it to go in the direction we wanted it to. I don't know. Yeah. That's exactly, oh, this, is, this is what we needed. It's great. Oh, cool. All right, guys. Well, we hope we brought you closer to pod. Bye, everyone. Bye.